Yeah, well, I mean, it could be like, you know, the, again, the, those two guys who sort of saw through the facade, maybe that was the impetus for them to give him the spiked Drake or like, this guy's full of shit. We're just going to, we're going to, we're going to slip him a Mickey and just see what happens. And who knows, you know, this is the type of thing like, it's, it's like, uh, studying a book in seventh grade english class where your your teacher is just like so what about the symbolism of this and blah 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 and you just start going down these rabbit holes and when you're halfway down and you're like i'm sure the author didn't think of any of this stuff it's just people yeah. kicking it apart afterward and that's kind of what we're doing here but uh but that's part of the fun of it and um you know like i said whatever it was it was not you know uh, typically uh, an alcoholic beverage doesn't hit somebody that way where they're just uh suddenly jolted into action and yeah yeah and, and then uh, uh you know going completely crazy at this party yeah well, that, that that's what really makes me confused is after all these years i was still trying to figure out what was what was in that drink and even when he came over, he had that big shit eating grin. Like, you know, like you said, he was trying to punk him. He's like, here, drink this. You know, like they were trying to like play a joke on him or something. Yeah. Well, I, I did find a red rocket. Um, it doesn't sound anywhere near as lethal. Uh, it's uh, one and a half ounces, ounces of citrus flavored vodka or just vodka. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think they had citrus flavored vodka back then. Uh, half an ounce of triple sec, three ounces of grapefruit juice, two teaspoons of uh Cream de cassis or raspberry liqueur, uh, coarse brown sugar crystals for a garnish, and uh, candied orange slices. So that doesn't sound like anything that would have any kind of serious kicker. I really no. think it had to have been spiked because the guy really overemphasized the kicker in it. Yeah. You know, and I don't really know of any drink that would do that to you unless you did it as a shot, which really goes more to the way that you would drink it as opposed to, you know, just a drink you would sip. So yeah, had, one, I, I'm going to go one of those, uh, you know, one of the rich, uh, good looking guys uh, emptied the contents of his nostril bullet into that uh, drink. And, <laughs> and that's what we have here. I mean, we're 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 uh, we're all men of the world on the show. We can read the tea leaves or what. Yeah, there. <laughs> right. And, uh, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, um, you could you could argue then that uh, not uh, like Larry kicked off the the uh the he was like the the, the uh, that was the stinger for the episode but this other good looking guy with the red rocket he was he was the impetus for the for the dance sequence he yes, was responsible yes, directly was. responsible yeah. for it so that's very and then true. that's when well, you know for all i know that uh maybe it was a just a drug interaction with the the tranquilizer add liquor to it it has the opposite effect who knows there's just so many possibilities here well whatever it did it gave him the jitters and he started grabbing appetizers and throwing them <laughs> around and there were two things here that i really liked which one of them was he threw he threw an appetizer at somebody from across the room and the guy caught it in his mouth yeah. and it looked like he was surprised which i thought was hilarious then he goes over to Janet, bumps into her, and then she realizes, okay, he is wigging the hell out. So I got to get him out of here. So she goes, Jack, have you seen the patio? And he goes, why? Is there one missing? <laughs> <I think laughs> one of the funniest lines in the whole show. 
And that and that is such a cheesy '80s style joke. Yeah, I mean, it's che- it, it was even cheesy then. Those those kind of like Prince Albert in a can, yeah, type type jokes, you know. And but uh, you know, Jack as a character, Jack had kind of a good sense of humor. But again, you put him on on something that's going to mess with his mind, and he'll just be you know, whatever he's going to be in that moment. I thought that scene was amazing. Um, I don't know how many times they would have rehearsed that. I think even, even no matter how many times you rehearse it, so many things could have gone wrong, you know, that they, they just had an incredible take on that. And uh, again, that's like that Cirque du Soleil style choreography. It was just so masterfully done that uh, it it made me appreciate the episode so much more having worked in film and understand, you know, how that gets put together. Um, I, I had to watch it a couple of times and I'm just like, wow, that was, that was pretty spectacular. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm watching it right now. And it's like, it, it's when they're in the main room there, there's really, there's really not a lot of cuts. It seems like that's just a straight take, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. But when they go back and forth between the main room and the patio, they give them an opportunity to cut the scene and regroup mm-hmm. and, do it but basically you know what i'm watching here is the strut with me mama sequence (laughs) where he's bringing the old lady back into the room and she falls on the guy and knocks his toupee off and (laughs) which is another hackneyed trope you know of course yes and and, and, you know doing doing a scene like this nowadays uh except for the time it would take you could do it over and over and over again because they're shooting on digital. But back then they were shooting on film. That was very costly, mm-hmm. the more takes that you had to do. I mean, that really affected the budget. So uh, I, I don't imagine they would have had too many opportunities. So to let that go so long without a cut was pretty impressive. You think that they would, he throws one one place, maybe two, then they cut it, then they do another angle with the other guy so that they could just nail that real quick. Yeah. To depend on all that to come together uh, was yeah, pretty, and, pretty amazing. And, and, and then right now I'm watching where he just just helps himself to the maid. You know, first he strips off her 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 apron, and then he pulls her close to him and kisses her right on the mouth. I mean, you'd be brought up on charges for those things nowadays. That's right. Yeah, you can't just go around molesting the help and get away with it. <laughs> right. And he did. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically, he did like uh, uh, just a cut to the end of that after the whole dance he was just like r- relaxing on the couch being like oh i'm so embarrassed and the, he, they didn't they didn't call the cops he didn't have the host come over and be like you ruined my lamp you ruined my plant <laughs> you broke a bunch of liquor bottles probably like what that you made a scene so it, it's just like all that's out the window everything was forgiven but yeah, also I mean, no one no one's going to the host and saying hey you got a guy who's kind of out of control can you maybe rein him in or do something with him he's ruining the party like everyone was just okay with whatever was going on around him right and that's why I'm like you know they're on a private island a bunch of rich people it's like it's almost like a low level Jeffrey Epstein vibe going on over here where it's just <laughs> like you know this this is this is this is nothing compared to what we got planned for later you know and it's that's probably you know people who who travel in those circles they see this shit all the time it didn't even phase them you know that's true they're just like yeah this is like the prequel to the the eyes wide shut party later or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah when when the uh when the uh the 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 sex slaves get trafficked in in about an hour or two that then we're really going to be on to something you know you know, kissing think, the maid on the mouth is 
it happens all the time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you're a congressman, you can just do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if when you're a Jesuit priest, you can do that. You know? <laughs> Nobody <true>. cares. <laughs> so, so he, oh, go ahead. <clears throat> so, so yeah, I was going to say we should probably get to the the just the dance sequence itself because we're we're jumping around talking about it. But I mean, uh, we should probably talk about. Uh, I mean, he struts in with the old lady who I love has the pearls like right down to the floor. Mm-hmm. So those kind of like the you know that Mrs. Roper type of uh, long long neck type thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but were you gonna were you gonna talk about that next? Uh, yeah, actually, that's where I was going to I was going to kind of steer things, because I think that, again, a, a just another so beautifully crafted sequence. And you're talking about working with extras, too, where you just have people coming in. They're they're not comfortable. They don't know the people. It's kind of like they don't know what they're walking into and they're doing very physical comedy. Yeah. You know, how did how yeah. did this how did this hit you, Chris? Well, I mean, well, first of all, here's what we, we, if we're talking about the dance sequence. This is we. It's time to it's time to uh, uh, get to the crux of the matter. And I've, I've I've expressed my outrage about this to John many times. But uh, so, like the the IFC channel is, is shows uh, Three's Company reruns regularly. Um, I'm, I'm again, I'm 56, so I'm an old man. I still have cable. So, um, I have that channel. Um, but then there's also Pluto TV, the streaming channel. It has a Three's Company channel. Um, you know, on the streaming service, I don't understand why you have to edit episodes because there's no time constraint there. You just mm-hmm. you're streaming the thing. Give me the whole effing episode. I can understand it on a regular network that has like the ads put in and you've got to compress everything in a half hour. But they they cut half of this dance sequence out of the syndicated version of this episode. Really. From the from the he when he kisses the lamp and it turns on and then they they cut it they go mm-hmm. it goes immediately to the aftermath where he's slumped on that couch and that that's whoever made the decision to butcher the episode in that way for syndication and and take out a portion of one of the greatest sequences in television history is just. A, it, it's 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 an abomination and it angers me even to just just to talk about it i mean it's it's it defies explanation surely there's other fluff from earlier in the episode that you could have cut out to leave that whole mm-hmm. uh, you know dance sequence in there and um and like i said it's uh you can, you get the full episode on YouTube, but if you're watching an indi- syndication or streaming, you don't get the whole sequence. It's just, it's it's an outrage. Wow, that that's really weird. I you know, I I was listening to um, the uh, Pod Meets World podcast, which is uh, done by three of the cast members from Boy Meets World, and their show is syndicated on Disney Plus, and Disney Plus does the same thing. They edit out words phrases little chunks here and there and it, it can't be a time constraint thing because like you said it's they don't have to worry about that yeah they don't have to have a show starting at eight o'clock on the dot and then have the 22 minute episode with eight minutes of commercials um 
I don't know why why anybody would take the time and effort to go through and do that. And and if there was something really in an episode where they're like, this does not fit our network, we can't air this. There's you know this kind of thing, which which I mean, shows have been pulled for certain things that don't suit a network, especially Disney. But then just don't air that episode. But to mm. to cut the episode down in ways that you can't appreciate the episode. That's more painful to me than just not showing that episode and letting the mm. the DVD buyers get it. Yeah. yeah, and I mean the only the only uh, thing I can uh, the only thing I can point to, and this would be giving too much credit to whoever did the editing, would be the sequence where again he he falls behind the bar, and he comes up, he's got the broken flower pot on his head with the sh- martini shaker, and it's almost like he's portraying almost like the chiquita banana lady you know that yeah. caricature of that sort of ethnic type of person and the only thing i can think of is that they they edited it out because they thought that was somehow ethnically insensitive but mm. i think i'm just giving the the editing person too much credit i just mm. think they're like we got to get it down to this time frame and, and heaven forbid somebody should watch that sequence and be like, yeah, there's this, this goes on too long. I'm just going to cut it. I mean, this is one of the greatest yeah. scenes in the history of television. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know? I agree. And you know, it's funny too, because when the, when the shake, the first time I watched it uh, the other day and the shaker appears, you know, he just, just the shaker shows up at first. Um, I thought they were going to do the song that they used in Beetlejuice. You know, at the end oh, of Beetlejuice, right, yeah. when, when Winona Ryder's like suspended in air and, and dancing, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it wasn't. But it was it was a great song choice too because it really fit the mood of the party. It fit, you know, the the shaker Jack was great at the timing of the shaker. Uh, so I'm thinking they had to have played the song on the set instead of inserting it later. But oh, yeah. uh, th- that whole that whole thing and then him just slowly appearing over the bar with the plant uh, on his head, which magically broke and landed perfectly on his head so that he could balance it. Um, just, this is some of, of Jack's best scene oh, in yeah. the entire history of the show. Oh, yeah. And if and if you're not watching on YouTube or on the DVD, you'd never know it existed. It's exactly. Yeah. I, I don't have any of the DVDs. Uh, did you know if they did commentaries for any of those? That would be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that I wouldn't know. No, that I, would be I, interesting. I, yeah. Yeah, I um, I hadn't seen Three's Company in decades, you know, because like, mm-hmm. and, I, and I was wondering, I was like, why is this? Not, why is this not in syndication? Why doesn't anybody show it? And then, you know, I miraculously got with the times and got a uh, you know Roku device and had mm-hmm. streaming services and. Mm-hmm stumbled across uh pluto tv and i'm and i was just like one of the greatest days of my life i was like holy shit they have an entire threes company channel <laughs> and all they show is threes company for 24 hours and i'm i'm i i watched the whole show front to back multiple times after that discovery for probably two three weeks the only station I was watching was Pluto yeah. TV Three's Company wow. Channel. <laughs> That's awesome. Because no, I haven't I seen any of those. I haven't seen any of those episodes in decades, probably since the mid '80s when they were originally on. Because I can't really think of any time the show was ever in syndication that I can remember. And uh, you know, I it, it 
to me, it's the best sitcom of all time. And, and that just reinforced it for me. Well, let me ask you a side question, Chris, because you, you're more familiar with the, the series on the whole. Wasn't there an episode where Furley's brother, Bart, actually did make an appearance? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought maybe I was imagining that, but I thought there was at least one where he showed up. Mm. Yeah, um, yep, the one where they got, uh, you know, stuck in the elevator and had the confrontation there. And uh, right. Furley finally grew a set and got in his face. And uh, it, that's a pretty damn good episode. And that's another one where, John, you might remember this, but when, yeah. when he when he sits in that chair in Bart Furley's office, and it just collapses under him. It's just <laughs> that whole thing is just there for the physical comedy to have him scrunched in that chair and just see how he's going to operate. It's like, what? Why would a chair just give out under somebody like that? You know, why? Right. How does it yeah. happen at this exact moment? And and again, it's just like there's no rhyme or reason to it other than you know, let's let's find a reason to touch off some physical comedy here because that's well, the edge we have on this. Well, yeah. because, well it's Bart, a, Bart's not another discount chairs at the, you know, at the thrift store. He's going to have something that's nice because yeah, it represents because he's, his success, you know, exactly his wealth think, and his yeah. opulence, whatever. But I, I think that things like that are a plot device too, because you see that happen when, um, Jack goes in to see uh, Mr. Angelino or Dean Travers or anytime there's one of these like, you know, Dean Travers, you're fired, you know, type of <laughs> like type of characters in there. Like whenever they go in, there's always something in there that doubles as physical comedy, but also something to make the 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 pro the protagonist or the hero like seem small or fumbling. So like, the, yeah. you know, like the, so like when Furley drops in the chair it makes him seem like more like smaller or pathetic, you know, which is what his brother sees him at. Like he can't be taken seriously. Right. Or when he goes in to see Mr. Angelino, I'm sure he's like walking in to see him and he, he trips over something or whatever. Like he, you, there's no way that you can take him seriously. So they kind of double as like plot devices to kind of knock him down a few pegs as well as to right. make us laugh. Yeah. But, so. but think about too. So Bart, Bart buys this building away from the Ropers and he's like, I'm going to have my brother run it. I just threw away $800,000, didn't I? <laughs> like, If he Pretty has much. no trust or, or no respect for his brother, why would you bring him in to run this thing that you just spent a ton of money on? And you know, real estate Knows. in California is not cheap. So, but yeah, again, I mean, I mean he probably, just, probably just figured, you know, any, any idiot can collect rent checks. That's all I need this guy to do. Right, right. Yeah. So dance sequences is just amazing. I'll let you guys go through that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, like I've come to appreciate this as, as Chris said, one of the, one of the best scenes in, in TV history. I mean, I, I think it's going to be right up there with anything, uh, a classic that was done years before or years since, uh, there's, there's no way around it. I mean, um, if, if we're just talking about this now, like this is the crowning achievement of the episode. It's like what you wait for when you watch it, because it starts off with him coming out and throwing the old lady to wipe the toupee off the guy's head and then <laughs> and then he and then he molests the maid and yes. starts doing a tap dance sequence with her um which you know he hops up on the table swings her around kisses the lamp and then starts swinging the plant falls behind the bar and then he gets up with the shaker and then he starts he starts doing the thing where he he starts doing the shoulder thing as he's like marimbering mar across the floor or whatever it is and uh you know he's he's walking up the stairs and 
uh, sliding down the stairs, and it's just uh, just amazing the stuff that he's doing. And then the uh, the the finale where he he looks over and he sees the flowers, and he takes it off and he puts it on as the top hat, and he does the rocket kicks down the stairs, and mm-hmm. he just keeps ramping up, ramping up until he just like completely like blows himself out by like j- like running across the room, hopping on the chair, and then apparently falls flat on his face, and that just ends the dance. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's 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 just a it's just like amazing to watch every time. In addition to that, the music I I feel like the music has got to have been like all original music because mm-hmm. I I don't know where I mean it, it had to have been created for the show because it was tailored to his dance and I I don't think it was from anything else. Um, what do you guys think? I don't think I had recognized it from. I haven't checked the credits, but I, I don't think I recognized it from anything. Um, it very well could have been written to the show. I mean, typically what what they would have done would, uh, if they didn't have somebody write it, would have been take a, a piece of just g- generic club music, you know, something right. that would be played at a dance club uh, by, a, by a band that had recorded it. And then they would choreograph the dance to that. But the trick would mm. be picking something that has a tempo that would, would work with the speed of the scene. And then they would say, okay, we're going to have him do it for this many beats. Then you're going to go over here for four beats. Then you're going to go over here. Then you grab the right. bait. Uh, that sort of thing, but uh, because you have to, when you film that scene, even if you if you don't have music, you have to have a tempo to put the music to, so that it all matches up. And mm-hmm. I I scored films, and I've had to do those pieces beforehand so that they can use them on set, so the timing works out, and then they just insert the final piece of music uh, after I mix it. But uh, it, it it was definitely, I mean, this this is just a flawless piece of television. Yeah. And I mean, you, you think at this time they probably, with their success, had the budget to have somebody uh, you know, score the music to it or, or, or write some music yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, for we, that. We, didn't, we didn't get a lot of those budget soaking episodes out of Three's Company. Like we didn't have Christmas episodes. We didn't have Halloween episodes. We didn't hmm. have really a lot of, of episodes that would have been budget heavy. Most things took place at a very few locations. There wasn't really a lot of travel. This was probably one of the more expensive shows for them because of the number of extras, the set, uh, new location, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine this was probably a, one of their most budget-heavy episodes, period. I mean, it, it had to have been because uh, you you figure at least the the stage that they were on, too, had to have had like a lot of a lot of room and a lot of marks for him to be able to do that whole sequence in, uh, because I'm sure that there was, you know, he, he moved around to use the room a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, speaking like practically again, if you want to poke holes in everything, you you're watching it and you're like, this is fantastic. But then it just kind of dawns on you that here's this guy who's, you know, not a very, you know, kind of a, an average guy who, who lives in Santa Monica. He's a chef. He was in the Navy. He's he's kind of unremarkable, yet he he knows how to he knows how to dance like this. Like he he tap dances and bebops all over the place and everything. It's like where does that even come from? Like there's nothing. Like you see Jack in in a later episode go to a, to Janet's uh, aerobics class and he can barely keep time, but he does this dance sequence when he's wasted. That was another episode where talk about you know physical comedy gold. Just him putting his leg up on the stretch bar over yeah. by the mirror. That was, that was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and again, the whole, you just know in the writing session, it's like, let's, let's stage this episode at a, at a gym or health spa so we can have him do all these crazy contortions that you might expect uh, 
yeah. to happen at, at such a venue. And, uh, yeah, it's just brilliant. And as we know, the sort of the, the two-part best of show was hosted by Lucille Ball. You know, mm-hmm. this scene I would I would put right next to on the pantheon of all-time greats the 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 uh, the candy factory con- mm-hmm. conveyor belt scene from I Love Lucy. Yeah, everybody everybody knows is one of the most iconic scenes in TV history, which is mm-hmm. in, based on just the, the brilliant physical comedy of everybody involved. This, this scene is on that level in my opinion. Absolutely. And I think Lu- Lucille Ball would agree with that. You know, it, and it would seem like that's a really bold statement, but it's not. I think that is absolutely right on the button because that, again, another incredibly iconic scene, um, and I, I know that John Ritter was was a fan of Lucia Ball. I mean, he was he was very much inspired by her. And I, I have to wonder if he wasn't thinking about a scene like that when he did something like this or like the aerobics show, because I could even see him him getting in touch with her and saying, hey, I've got this thing. How would you approach it? You know, there was a, a lot of respect. And you could oh, tell yeah. when, even though that they had met before when they were filming that uh, episode with her. You could tell when he walked in the door, he was like, oh, my God, I'm on screen with Lucille Ball. Like, that was yeah. a genuine reaction from him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then and, and also don't, you know, don't discount the uh, arrival of Don Knotts, another Hollywood legend who's just landing in the cast of this show and just lending legitimacy to it. Mm-hmm. And and just playing like a zany slapstick character, just uh just brilliant stuff and you know some people criticize the show for being too light with the subject matter and 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 um you know incorrectly implying there wasn't enough nuance to it or this and that you know whatever you want to uh whatever you want to say but the fact of the matter is that giants of uh television lucille ball and don knotts two of them uh, willingly associated with the show one of them to the point where he was in the damn cast for half the shows right norman fell was no uh just 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 no throw-in guy either you know he Mm -hmm. had had a legitimate acting career i remember from the the graduate and stuff like that i mean these were legitimate actors who were who were uh you know, aligning themselves with this, this show. And uh, I don't think they were just doing it for the paycheck. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think they, they, they recognized uh, the quality that was going on and then the brilliance of uh, John Ritter. And, and I think he elevated everybody else around him. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And and it's funny. uh, I had a few things to do before I went to bed last night. So I pulled up YouTube and Candleball Run 2 was, I was on my page. I don't know why it popped up. But I uh, I put down and watched that for a little while, and there is just an incredible scene with uh, Don Knotts and Tim Conway with their uh, you know it wasn't it was it was like a throwback to the Apple Dumpling Gang, but it wasn't the Apple Dumpling Gang, and it was them and the monkey from uh, Tony Danza's car, and I'm just like watching Don Knotts interact with a a monkey is like one of the greatest things you can ever see. <laughs> You know, yeah. you, could, you couldn't put anybody else in that situation and get that result. No, no. Yeah, so brilliant comedic actor, one of the all time greats of television. And, Mm. you know, for him to land, for him to be the replacement, uh, 
landlord. And I've actually, we talked about it in one episode of our podcast and I sort of compared the, the Roper Furley thing to like Bon Scott, Brian Johnson and ACDC. It's like, (laughs) how do you choose? You don't have to choose. They're both great. Both years are great. Well, I, I, how do you you replace, how do you replace somebody like Norman Fell that you think is unreplaceable? You bring in Don friggin' Knotts and uh, move on, you know? Well, and I know it was a big deal to the cast that they got him because I, I listened to a podcast a while back with Joyce DeWitt and, and she was saying like, there was like, really, we got Don Knotts. We got, we got, no. And they, they were just in disbelief because they didn't think they could get him for this. And when they did, I mean, everybody was nervous and they were, they were like really um, not doing well the first time they worked with him because they were, they were just so in awe of him and so oh, yeah. much respect yeah. that, that yeah. even yeah. after everything that they built, they felt like little kids doing their first show. <laughs> That's why I'm, I, 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 I you know, John claimed to have the hot take. I, I think I'm not, and I'm not doing this intentionally, but I, I think I have the hottest take. The Cindy Furley era; those episodes are incredible. Every one of them is just the the, the, the way those characters set in motion. All this stuff is just brilliant to me. Yeah, and and then you add Lana in the mix, and and. <laughs> The Lana character is, that's another one. It's just what, you know, a transitional period, but they did just did so great with the characters and those characters beget so many great episodes. I mean, the, the, the two or three episodes into the Furley era, you got the, 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 when Chrissy is, uh, you know, trying to sell the cosmetics at the strip poker game and Furley's in there. He's <laughs> yeah. got the fur coat on and uh, just <laughs> incredible stuff. You know, it's just so funny. And, you know, when Jack, Jack goes to Furley's because Furley is like, I'll take two of everything. Just get out. I want to win this strip poker hand, you know, and, and, and Jack goes to him, you just ruined that girl and Furley fires back. I never touched her. <laughs> just that, and, and, that, all that, that interaction is yeah. just, it's amazing. And how amazing comedy. How uncomfortable would that have been as an actor to film that scene when you're wearing so many layers of clothes and then a hat that you would see in Fargo when it's, you know, minus six degrees in Minnesota and then another coat on top of that. I mean, that had to just be miserable to shoot that scene. You know, that's somebody that really cares about their crap. Like when you get a guy like that, like you hang on to them. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. He, that, what a, what a, what a, what a, uh, a triumph for them to attract him on their show. And he, you know, he, he carried them through, uh, you know, their four or five seasons. Yeah. Pretty amazing. So John, where do we go from here? And he wasn't even on this episode. He wasn't even on the episode. (laughs) And and I wonder if he wasn't maybe shooting his scenes for cannonball run Two around this time too. I, I don't know the dates, but that, that sounds about right. No, possibly. It could be, you know, He probably, you know, had uh, in his contract that he could take an episode or two off or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's Don Knotts. He calls the shots. <laughs> no telling doubt. him what to do. <laughs> but, Don um, fucking Knotts, man. <laughs> 
but uh, where where do we go from here? So uh, the the dance sequence ends, and now everybody's like everything is coming down. Everybody's coming down. Janet finally realizes that uh, that uh, uh, David says that uh, Nancy is his sister. Um, which I mean, the whole time they're they're shamelessly flirting with each other, thinking that the other one is in a relationship, which I think is kind of uh, uh, like off putting because he's like, OK, like she's obviously she's got her arms around Jack. She He's making out with her with Janet and everything like that. And David sees this and he's you can tell he's getting pissed, but he goes out onto the thing and hits on her anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and she's just like, oh, I don't have a boyfriend when they start to lean in to make out and at that point he doesn't know that she didn't say that they weren't together he's just like all right i'm gonna be i'm gonna have make her cheat on him you know from what he knows so anyways there we go like uh you know some some infidelity there Mm -hmm. um but you know jack is like uh, uh, miraculously no longer drunk or high or anything when he's coming down on the couch and he's talking to nancy and all the um the the misunderstandings seem to clear up until everybody comes bounding in and they're like Dr. Tripper, I thought you had surgery in the morning. And the woman comes over. How do you fit that in with your congressional work? <laughs> yeah. And um, it's just uh, and then she gets mad. There's a quick misunderstanding. Janet says, no, he really is a chef. She she goes back in. Um, he starts. Uh, he says, oh, we, we get we got to get to know each other, which I don't know how that's going to work, because we don't even know if they live near each other. If she lives on this private island, if she lives back in Santa Monica, if she's rich and doesn't want to a bum like him who can't even pay his rent who knows but he winds up falling asleep on her and falling on the floor because finally the effects of the night have hit him and his body just can't take anymore and then he is weak again at the the epilogue of the episode when they usher him back into the apartment which seemingly before before we get there the same um, night yeah yeah i i I was assuming so because janet i mean they're in the same clothes and all that but here here's the thing that now, now, this sister seems like a fairly intelligent person. She seems right. to have herself together. But after she just found out that Jack's been lying to people all night, she just goes out and she finds out one of the lies is true. And she's like, oh, OK, well, I guess I'll be with him then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was- she definitely changes her tune about him uh, twice on a dime. You know, yeah, right. And, uh, yeah, seems kind of that, that's kind of strange as, uh, you know that uh that she would go back and forth in such short order but well again, i mean yeah i without mean any real, episode, like, like, without any real explanation even like like just oh yeah he's a chef that that was the correct lie yeah oh, so he was okay. telling the truth okay yeah, okay that, that why so is one he lying the line, to everybody one of the know? lies is true so i'm gonna go and, and cook with this guy <laughs> right. you know because i yeah, really want to get laid tonight we're gonna cook <laughs> Yeah, right, exactly. We're gonna cook, and uh, I'm gonna go to see the chef. We're gonna cook. Yeah. How, how many? How many? How many? How much mileage did they get out of the chef cook joke, imp- <laughs> implying that you know the cooking was, uh, uh, you know, the, the sexual connotation of it? Yeah. How many? Yeah. How many times did they bust that out over the run of the show? Oh, the the Mrs. Angelino uh, cooking. Uh, oh teaching episode was probably uh, one of the best ones for that oh my oh, goodness yeah. his, his wife was like uh she just needs a cooking lesson and i'll forgive your debt like like it works like that you know man and that's well, let's forget that episode that woman was horny like <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah, god she was 
<laughs> they had some horny people on that show. He even responded very briefly to Furley until he blew it with some, <laughs> uh, you know, some some misspoken thing or whatever. But she was yeah. actually responding to Furley and he blew it. But yeah, oh, and that wasn't uh, that wasn't Angelino. That was Mr. Bustamante. Oh, Bustamante. Yeah, yeah that's right. Lone shark. <laughs> that's right. Local loan right. shark. Oh, oh, Bustamente. Yeah. What a what a classic Italian name, too. <laughs> you know, wow. Not a not a trope there at all. Uh well, yes, and that, the, the 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 guy who played Angelino, pre-Angelino, he was the husband of that other horny woman who, who they had Jack in as a live-in cook, and she was like, oh, you know, yeah. seducing yeah. him at the dinner table. Oh God, that yeah. Was, that was right. pre-Angelino clean shaven guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just it all just flows together. But like to go back to John's uh, point, just there are lots of extremely horny people uh, <laughs> cascading through the show at all times. Yeah, uh, you know, and I've never understood why on a show when you have such a pool of actors that you can pull from, why would you have people on multiple times to play different characters? Because that does get yeah. a little confusing. I mean, I don't know how many different times Jeffrey Tambor was on, but I know there were yep. at least three different characters that he played. Well, so and, he, and I'm thinking, he started off as the neighbor on the Ropers, the, mm -hmm. the landlord yep. owner of the building on the Ropers. Right. Then he was the rich guy who wanted to marry Cindy. He was mm -hmm. the child dentist. And then he was, he was the, uh, the, the, the psych psychiatric doctor who was having burnout at the job and, and they thought and he was a patient, was right? A, a mental patient. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is, a, <laughs> which is an amazing episode. Yes. Who but I mean, they don't want him to, I yeah. mean, if they, if they were associated with a pool of actors like that, I mean that uh, a, typically a show doesn't do that. Like a, like a sitcom or a, like a non sitcom show doesn't kind of recycle actors like that. But I always thought that was really interesting because it was almost kind of like when you see um, uh, when you see a play or something like that, and you have one person playing like a few different characters and they just like run behind the curtain and put on a, a wig or something like that and you you just have you have a small cast but they play different people and maybe right. they were kind of working off something like that but i mean it it never really bothered me although i thought about it i'm like wasn't he in another episode of somebody else but it never really kind of bugged me you know i guess so, when you, if you can get jeffrey tambor you just get jeffrey tambor yeah <laughs> yeah know? yeah you just you figure out a way to make it work and uh yeah. You know, you brought up MASH earlier, and that, that's another show that I hadn't seen for a long time, and I just uh, lately been binging on old episodes. And I didn't realize that, you know, during the the the, the, the Henry Blake, uh, Trapper John era, that uh, Harry Morgan played a different Colonel character in one of the episodes. Yeah. And then two seasons later, he's the new commanding officer. Not the same character, but the same actor. Right. And I was like, I had no idea he was in an, just just in a, a, a random episode of MASH before he became a regular cast member. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of that. John Ritter was in a MASH episode mm -hmm. as, a, as a, one of the patients who... Uh, a very who, intense episode, actually. Who ended up holding uh, Frank Burns at gunpoint and... Uh, mm -hmm. You know, but yeah, 
That reminds me, I, I had Loretta Swit on the show a couple of years ago. I've got to get her back on because we didn't even you talk did? about MASH. Yeah, she was, we talked for, for a while and uh, we talked about all the stuff that she had going on with the, the soldiers and the dog rescue stuff that she does. Absolutely amazing. But we never even talked about MASH. And she goes, I'll come back on and we'll talk about it. I'm like, great. So I'll have to reach out to her and uh, see if she's uh, got some time to come back. If you have her back on, I will pay you to be a guest uh, on that show as well. <laughs> I would... I would, I would, that would be a, a thrill to be able to converse with her. That would uh, be something special. I can't believe you actually had her on the show. Yeah, she's a sweetheart too. That's, like way, that's way cooler than Chris Jericho. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Chris Jericho is pretty cool to have on too, though. I'll, I'll say that both as a musician and a wrestler, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I got nothing bad to say about him, but he, he's no Loretta Swit. I mean, <laughs> Let me just lay it out there right now. There you go. Uh, so, so John, you were going to take us uh, through the the ending of the show that I I kind of have a little bit of an issue with, but uh, that's my overthinking brain. So, uh, what happens? Yeah, maybe I guess I, I hadn't seen the ending in forever because I think that um, I might have seen one of the edited episodes that uh, Chris was talking about um for many years so that kind of epilogue where they come back which i was kind of surprised that after all that the the plane flew them back and they were probably back at like what two three in the morning something like that mm -hmm. jack comes stumbling back in he's he's drunk again uh he seemed to be, he was he was fine for a little bit and now he's loopy again and they're trying to get him into bed and then the last line is, is like he goes oh my god and they go what he's like i have brain surgery <laughs> <laughs> and he rushes out the he tries to rush out the door. So it must have been 5 a.m. because he had brain oh, right. surgery at five. Mm. So that party must have gone for a long time, which I'm wondering what the hell happened between when he passed out from exhaustion and they flew back. But um I thought that was kind of uh that was kind of funny that they kind of called back to his uh, his brain surgery lie uh mm. to end the show. But yeah, um, I, I like what that. was your issue? The the thing that that kind of bothered me is so first we see Janet come in and Terry goes, "Oh, how'd it go?" As if she they were already having a conversation and she just forgot to ask. Um, but uh, but Janet starts explaining and then she's, "Oh, I forgot Jack," and goes back to get him. Like, how were they walking up the stairs and she just left him there so she could run up? <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to visualize like how that happened and it just seems like she would have helped him get up the stairs and not right. just left his ass down there at the bottom figuring he'll come up he'll come home eventually he'll come up on his own yeah yeah so that that was a little bit of an awkward transition for me and there was kind of really no reason for it because he they could have no. walked in the door together and terry could have looked up and said oh how did it go right just just as easily so i thought that was kind of an unnecessary thing that just added more confusion to it for me but i did love the brain surgery throwback i thought that was great what do you yeah. think of the end chris um, I mean, I think, you know, pretty much everything after the dance sequence is just kind of a, you know, uh, denouement, if you will. Um, just after that, it's just like, you know, whatever you, whatever you got to ride out the last five minutes is fine with me. I don't even care after what I just saw. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So whatever you got to do works for me. To be honest with you, I, I, I'm not even sure I ever paid much close attention to the final sequence because again i was just completely satisfied with the the dance sequence it's like i don't even care what happens the rest yeah. of the way 
You know? well, it, it didn't really wrap anything up. I mean, I, I I feel like from the time that Jack slipped between the cushions and landed on the floor, everything was wrapped up by that point. You know, they right. they the story was done. So everything else was just like, oh, we we are we're a scene short. Uh, let's go back to the apartment. You right. know, it it just kind of felt like we we needed to fill a little more time. Um, but overall, I I, I think I, I'm so glad that you guys wanted to do this because I really think this is one of the best overall, not only Three's Company episodes, but one of the best 80s comedy episodes in, in television. And uh, I'm really glad I got to see it again. Oh, yeah. I mean, any any show that I can I can watch uh, any episode that I can watch this many times and still laugh at it like that hard knowing what's coming is like uh, what else can you say about it i mean it's it, it's 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 legendary at this point like um i i think uh what you were saying what chris was saying earlier was is that it, it's not a stretch to say that this is in the same league as the the i love lucy episode because think about it you're not talking about some show that just came off the street i mean this this episode is about 40 years old at this point so i yeah. mean if 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 it can't be considered a classic now, then what can? You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it's in that league. You can put it in that league with any of the greats that that uh, came before, in my opinion. Yeah, and I and I apologize. I think I said at the beginning of the show that it was twenty one years old. It's actually forty one years old. There we go. Um, so I'll I'll just be in the corner turning to dust while you guys finish <laughs> the show. Uh, what about you, Chris? Final thoughts on it? Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it's again, it's. It's legendary for that physical comedy sequence. I mean, as far as like overall episode, there are episodes of the show that I like better because I just think they're better from front to back. I mean, I could talk your ear off about it. You know, the one that comes to mind where he's got the three dates going on and one in Larry's apartment, one in his apartment, one in Furley's apartment. I mean, that's just, yeah. incredible from start to finish and just uh you know i i i could just i could go on and on but the the the, the, the from the time they arrive at the party to the time when he flies off the set over the chair is top shelf television of any genre top shelf entertainment mm -hmm. of any genre absolutely brilliant um it just it's it, it's unassailable it's just you know that's that's comedy that's the definition of comedy i absolutely agree uh let me ask you guys one more question uh, as a post threes company um i i was a little bit disappointed that threes a crowd didn't take off but i i saw it as kind of a very limited thing they didn't have the same magic in the cast. There's only so much of that, uh, you know, fighting the, the dad against the girlfriend or the wife kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I was hoping there would have been something more there because I, I really didn't want my Threes Company experience to be over, even though we didn't have Janet and Terry and Furley anymore. I mean, I don't I don't remember that show. I mean, I I think I might have seen some episodes um, if if I have. Uh, how many do you know how many seasons it was? I think it was, it was just, just one. Like one season mm -hmm. i might have seen some episodes years ago but i don't remember um really anything about it um i guess that you know pretty pretty much puts it in a nutshell but i mean there there are very <laughs> few there are very few shows that have uh, an ensemble cast like that to try and recapture the magic by having 
a couple of one or a couple of the characters split off and start something new because you don't want it to end basically, but they just kind of spin it into something else where you're just like, wow, this is just as good, if not better than the original. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not, um, I can't think of anything offhand, like from classic TV, but one of the things that I really love from the recent years was when they had breaking bad, and then they had Better Call Saul as a not really a sequel, but a prequel. But they focused on one of the characters and brought in some of the other remaining characters or uh, peripheral characters. And I actually liked I actually got into that show and liked it better than the original. Um, so that's kind of a recent example of like, I, I think sometimes you you catch lightning in a bottle and you can get it twice. And I'm sure that there are other shows that have done that um, in the past, but I can't really can't really think of any. Um, off the top of my head, so I had to use a recent example. But um, the it's, only it's other tough. one it's that tough. comes to mind for me would be uh, two two seven, which was a spinoff of the Cosby Show. Um, okay, or wait, not two two seven, a different world. Yeah, yeah. Which was a spinoff of the Cosby Show. That was that was pretty successful. That ran for for quite a while. Hmm. But yeah, it's a pretty rare thing that a spinoff show um, hits even more than one season. Well, and the other thing is that that that, that just. It was a flawed concept and doomed to fail because what's going on in three is a crowd. Jack is in a, a monogamous committed relationship. That's that doesn't work for me. That's not yeah. gonna. There's no comedy potential there. You know, I don't, I don't want to see him uh, bickering with the father all time. I want to see him. You know, chasing greedy Gretchen around. Or whoever else is, you know, just just going through women like uh, like they're nothing, and and you know having uh, having Larry as his wingman and stuff like that. It's just, it's just like when when you, you you get Jack nailed down to a singular monogamous relationship, it, it's over at that point. I don't hmm. care what, I don't care who's involved, and it doesn't help that that actress who played vicky was just absolutely terrible just not good i mean richard mulligan actually not richard mulligan who was the guy who played the father oh um i i can't remember his name but yeah I can't it was his name but yeah i mean very he, starchy he, yeah you know he was he'd been in some sitcoms he had some you know he was another actor for hire. You know, he was like a yeah. guy that would just show up here and there. But you you bring up an excellent point because without the Larry dynamic, Jack is not an adventurous guy. Most of the shenanigans came from Larry kind of creating that environment. So Larry's not going to oh, be yeah. doing that to to Jack now that he's married. So yeah, you're right. There's just not enough of a source of you, you can only go with the pitting the the you know the the guy against the the wife's father so much. And of course, and it was the same thing at the restaurant because he was working for Mr. Angelino. And uh, you had, um, was it Felipe? I think was, yeah, was yeah. a sous chef. And so like, again, there's that's like such a, only so much you can do with that before it's like, oh God, now here comes Felipe. Now here's how he's going to screw over Jack to try and get his job. And there's yeah. just not enough there. And you didn't have enough characters. Like you don't have a Mr. Furley coming in. You, you just, you know, you don't have a Janet. You, it's too condensed. I think well, I mean, I mean, at that point too. I mean, the the uh, the the characters are kind of aging out of the characters or the yeah. the actors rather, because I mean, at that point they were probably what mid mid to late thirties. So it's just yeah. like okay, that's a little you're, you know, you might be a little long in the tooth to play the uh, the swinging bachelors and everything. And like Chris said, nobody's going to buy 
nobody wants to see this character. Nobody wants to see the Jack character, like kissing his wife goodnight and going to bed and being monogamous. I mean, that's what, what fun is that? So it's like, do do that with a different show and a different bunch of actors. Like you put, put the Jack character to bed. It's, you know, that's uh, it. Robert Mandon was the uh, the actor who played yeah, uh, James it. Bradford. Yeah, yeah. A, a really talented guy. I mean, he's he's good at what he does, but again, kind of just a limiting situation, you know. Yeah, and just you know, again, it's just doomed to fail. fail. And yeah. you know, you bring up uh, Angelino and 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 Felipe. I'd be re- remiss to mention one of the all time great episodes from the Cindy eras when. Uh, Jack impersonates the guy David Miller, David Miller to get the yep. cooking job. Yes. His various guys are various people are coming back in the kitchen to kick his ass, or, <laughs> or, or just he's all these people he's screwed. The David Miller is screwed over, and uh, and, and uh, they just start one by one start coming back into the kitchen, and the 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 girl. The, starts flipping him around and the mobster collecting the gambling debt and uh and the guy who he stole his wife i mean it's just amazing stuff and that was it, wild i yeah. remember the, the thing i remember about that episode which was so wild was it it made me really uncomfortable because i just remember thinking like who who just barges into somebody's job like that and just like walks it like walks into the kitchen of a restaurant and starts like harassing people it's just like you don't <laughs> Like I, I don't even go around the 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 other side of the counter if I'm in a retail place and be like I'm not doing that I don't care how mad I am they kick me out of the place they call the cops right. yeah well I mean this is remember a world where you can just start making out with the maid whether she wants you to or not <laughs> that's true no one cares but you know that that Chris that reminds me of um a, a lot about my cousin Vinny with the whole uh, Vincent Callow Vincent Gallo he's mm-hmm. dead you know kind of right yeah. you know a, another uh, uh, entertainment trope but. Yeah, great episode, guys. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on and doing this. We'll have to pick another uh, another episode or another show and, and do this again, because this was a lot of fun. That'll that'll be a tall order to find another one that's as uh, up here as this for us. But I think we could do it What for another Three's Company episode, Three's Company or so, whatever you got. Oh, I could. Yeah, I'm I mean, I, like I said, there 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 are. Uh, other episodes uh, as a whole that I like better than this one. And that the dance sequence is the mm-hmm. best segment of the entire show, but there's other uh other episodes I could just go on and on about. And like I said, I I, I will I will pay you to be on the letter. <laughs> if you get Loretta Swit back on, I will name your price and I will pay it mm. for the privilege to be on the show. <laughs> And if you can somehow track down Richard Klein, the, <laughs> the, 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 the guy who played Larry. Yeah, I'd love to talk to him. A uh, great actor. Price and I'll double it and I will. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. At that, him, he's a guy who I feel like is just never gotten the props he deserves i would i would be gushing over that guy to the point where he would just hang up at some point and just, just that's not close, inspiring me close the zoom window because i would just be fawning over him and just be wow. like dude you 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 made the show you you uh and he well, seems like a super, super get on that guy. scott getting all choked up talking about larry but yeah. I'll, I'll say it again the most yeah. 
the, probably the most underrated character in the in the history of sitcoms, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and such a vital character for as little as he was actually on most of the shows. And my favorite one with him was uh, when he was in love with Janet. That was a good one. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. It it made him kind of like a, an honest man, so to speak. Right. Which, I which remember was that. just so awkward. <laughs> yeah. You knew it wasn't who he really was, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. I can't make any promises. I can I can reach out to people and uh, if I can get them, great. But uh, just, yeah, we'll, we'll do you know, something again. Call me and Leverage your ample connections and make <laughs> it happen. You said you already had Loretta Swit on. I so did. Piece of cake. I'm hoping, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what you, I can you do. make that happen again. Name your price because uh, that's another show I've really delved into a lot lately. Yeah. And you know, I have opinions about that. I also, you know, my 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 favorite era is when uh, Winchester and Radar are on together. That mm-hmm. window of episodes are my yeah. favorite. It's a really good time. Yeah, I, some, I, something of a hot take because I think purists like the original cast, but uh, I, de- I definitely started liking the show more when Trapper and Henry were moved off of the show. Mm-hmm. Now, when they brought Winchester in, when Radar was still around, that's the yeah. that's the sweet spot window of that show. That uh, show for me. Well, to anyone who disagrees with with Chris on that, I'm just going to say horse pucky. Because I, I don't use enough Colonel <laughs> Potter references in my life. I need to beef those up. I've been saying I'm going to do that for like 10 years now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll see what I can do. But yeah, let's uh, let's do another show or something at some point. This was a lot of fun. You guys have been great guests. Thank you so yeah. much for for taking time out and uh, come on and talk about it. It was great. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, as you guys know from the uh, many appearances, well, you know, John hasn't actually been on the show that many times. It's just that the episodes are so long. It seems like he's been on a lot more. <laughs> and true. he's certainly dominating uh, this month with our four-part episode on Poison as well as this one. And, uh, and of course, Catch Chris L on Pot of Thunder. Uh, fantastic show. What? So your uh, tenth, 10 years anniversary is coming up. Congratulations. That Most podcasts do not make it to 10 episodes, let alone 10 years. Mm. That's huge. Yeah, we're coming up on uh, 500th episode and then the 10th anniversary of our first episode is in April. So Wow. Well, congratulations to you guys. Uh, you guys take care. Come back. Let's do this again. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Cheers, guys.